So what does it mean to follow Jesus? How do you follow Jesus? Like what's, what's the next step when you are, hey, I think this is true. I believe it is true. I'm ready to be in. What does it mean to follow Jesus? And it may be this morning that you're here. I'm thinking of somebody like this, and maybe it's you. And maybe there's five or 50 or several hundred people, but maybe this describes something close to where you are. There are people who have been coming to Calvary, maybe for a couple of weeks. Maybe you started at Christmas. Maybe you started the last series. Maybe you've been coming for months. Sometimes people say to me, hey, I've been hanging around here for a couple of years. And along the way, you've heard the Bible taught. Along the way, you've heard the message of Jesus. And somewhere in your heart, somewhere in your journey, you have decided in your heart, I believe this is true. I know that Jesus Christ is the Lord. I believe the Bible speaks truth to me about God, about myself, about Christ, and about my life. So, what's next? What does it really mean to follow Jesus? Is it just like coming to church once in a while? Is that the deal? I like I come to church, you know, most every week. Uh, I, I believe certain things to be true. What does it actually look like? I mean, if somebody says, follow Jesus, okay, but like Jesus isn't walking around where I can see him, you know, it's like, follow Jesus, okay, so I can't like walk down that aisle with him. So what does it mean? What does it look like if I, as a human being, want to make the choice to follow him? What does that actually look like? And if you have your Bible this morning, we're turning to Acts chapter 2, one of my favorite passages. It's a passage we come back to many, many times as a church, as followers of Christ, because this is a passage that speaks to anybody this morning who's asking, hey, like, what's next? See, let me tell you about the context, and then let's read it. Jesus, about 30 years of age or thereabouts, uh, began teaching, began preaching, began revealing truth. People began to follow him, and they could literally follow Jesus around. And they heard him teach. They heard him teach about the kingdom of God. They heard him teach about who he was and what they should do. And, 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 and so literally, they just learned from Jesus, and they watched him, and they began to realize he had extraordinary truth. He was unlike any other teacher they had ever heard. And then, of course, the climax. Then, then Jesus goes to the cross. He dies. And for a lot of people, they think maybe the movement's over, right? Maybe it's over and done with. In fact, some of the disciples, his closest followers, were ready to scatter. They were in hiding. And then something happened. Three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. And they saw him for themselves. And not just his closest disciples, but larger groups of people began to see Jesus. He would appear, and, and, and they became convinced that Jesus Christ had died and rose again. And they began to realize now all of his teaching, they began to see all of it in a new perspective. So a few days passed. That happens around the Jewish feast of Passover. It was right after, it was on Passover that Jesus is, is uh, killed. And then he, he raised, he's raised on Sunday. And 50 days later, they had another feast. That's called the feast of Pentecost, 50 days after Passover. So Jesus rose from the dead. For a couple of weeks, he appears to hundreds of people. Then he ascends into heaven. And now at Pentecost at Jerusalem, those people who are committed to being his followers gather. And it's still a relatively small group. And something really extraordinary happens. What Jesus said would happen. 
the Spirit of God came and began to live literally in those people who were committed to follow Jesus. And then a great crowd gathered around. And miracles began to happen. People heard the gospel preached in their own language. And Peter stood up. Now, it's been 50 days since Passover. And he told them about everything that had happened, that Jesus died, he was buried, he rose again from the dead. And literally, as he's beginning to share with them everything that had happened, and he begins to help them make sense of it, they began to cry out, what do we do next? If this is true, what should we do? And that's where we pick up our text. In the book of Acts, chapter 2, I want to begin reading in verse 37. Join me. It's our custom. We stand out of reverence for reading, believing we read the words of God as we read from the Bible. In Acts chapter 2, verse 37, Peter has been preaching. There's a big crowd. And this is what happens. It says in verse 37, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted his message, were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 people were added to them. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Father, like those people gathered around the Feast of Pentecost so long ago, there are some of us wanting to know what's next. What if it is true? What if Jesus rose from the dead and is the Son of God who will save any who call upon his name? What do we do next? How do we take the next step in our spiritual journey? And even those of us who have taken steps and have grown spiritually still wonder as we gather in worship, what's next for us? How do we follow Jesus? What does it look like? What does it mean Show us, Father, how to follow Jesus. Show us what is next is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Feast of Pentecost has come. Peter is preaching. Crowds are gathered. And the question is, brothers, what should we do? And Peter told them. And so maybe you're here this morning. You may be watching online. And you're going, okay, what do I do? As I said, following Jesus, that sounds really nice, but that's very spiritual. I can't what, help me understand what that means in my life and what it means right now. When, when they cried out, what should we do? Peter told them, and they did it. And we read what they did. In verse 41, it says, those who accepted his message were baptized. And then in verse 42, it tells us, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. I want to suggest that the answer to the what next question is those two verses. 
And regardless of who you are, where you are, like what is next? Okay, they did two things. The first is verse 41. The second is verse 42. Are you ready? What did they do? In verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized. So let's start there. The first thing you want to do if you want to follow Jesus is confess your faith in Jesus. If you believe this is true, first confess your faith in Jesus. Those who accepted his message were baptized. Well, what was his message, first of all? What does it mean to accept a message? There's this huge crowd. Peter's preaching, kind of like I'm doing. He's, he's, you know, he's, he's speaking ideas. And apparently in that crowd, a lot of people accepted his message. Now, I'm sure there were people in that crowd that didn't. I'm sure there were people in that crowd who said, I'm not buying that. There may have been people in that crowd says, hey, it's interesting. I'd like to check out more. But there were evidently some people in the crowd of that day who heard what Peter had today say and said, I'm in. I accept the message. So what was the message? Well, you just read in Acts 2. You know what the message was. In fact, go back to like verse 32. When Peter began to preach to them, they were gathered around. And Peter said, God has raised this Jesus and we are witnesses of this. One of the first things Peter explained to them that day was that Jesus had in fact been raised from the dead. That the heart of everything that was being done, what they were witnessing was a conviction among these people that Jesus who had been crucified came back from the dead. That is at the heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Many of them had seen him. The Bible says Jesus appeared in one place to over 500 people at once. He appeared to others in small groups. Others perhaps had heard rumors, stirrings, news had spread around. And so now Peter, now publicly identified as one of the followers of Jesus, gets up and says, yes, we saw it. And we declare to you that Jesus Christ, who was crucified, remember, it had happened less than 50 days ago, that when Jesus was killed, He was raised again from the dead, and God did this. We believe Jesus is the risen Savior and the Son of God. That's what he declared to them. So they're listening to this. He goes on. Look at what he said in verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Two things there. He's saying to them, you're responsible for his crucifixion. Now, that doesn't mean each and every one in the crowd had literally nailed his hands to the cross. But he says to the crowd, you're responsible. Many of them may have even been in Jerusalem. Many of them may have even been in the crowds that cried for Barabbas. But really what he's saying is greater than that. Jesus died for your sins. Jesus died because we are a guilty, sinful people. We crucified him. He's saying to the crowd, you're responsible you need to say you're sorry. <laughs> That's really what he's saying. You crucified him. And then he says, and let me tell you what God has done. He made Jesus Lord and Christ. He is saying that our conviction is that Jesus Christ is the Lord. He is God in human flesh. And he is the Christ, the one that God promised to us, the one we should follow, the one we should trust in. And then when they heard this, like spontaneously, they said... What do you want us to do? It's like, okay, he died, he was buried, he rose again, we're sinners, he's the Lord in Christ. What do you want me to do now? And Peter said, I'm glad you asked. 
I think he thought that. He didn't say it. But the Bible says in verse 38, he replied, and what did he tell them to do? Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. So they said, what do you want us to do? He said, okay, I'm glad you asked. Here you go. Since you asked, repent. Repent means to change your mind. It's a Greek word, literally, metanoia, to change the mind. Because the Hebrews understood that when you change your mind, you change your behavior. None of this, well, I believe one thing, but I do another. What you really, truly believe comes across in your actions. So what they said is, Peter said, first of all, repent. Acknowledge that you're a sinner. Acknowledge that you've been living your life a certain way, and you've been trying to ignore God, and you've been trying to resist God's authority. The first thing, if you want to follow Jesus, is repent. Quit doing that. Repent. And then he said, and be baptized. Now, what is baptism? Some of you know, but what is baptism? Well, baptism was an act that symbolized repentance. In fact, even before Jesus came, there was a cousin of Jesus named John. He baptized so many people that he became known as the baptizer or John the baptizer, John the Baptist. It meant he baptized a lot of people. And why did he do it? Because John was preaching even before Jesus came and he preached to people and he said, you know what? You're sinners, you're guilty before God. And you know what you need to do? You need to acknowledge your sin and ask God to help you change. You need to repent. And the people who wanted to repent came and they were baptized. Here's what that means. Literally, they went down into the water. They were put underneath the water. They were brought up out of the water. It was a symbol of a new beginning, a fresh start, and a new direction in your life. Now, Peter says on the day of Pentecost, if you want to follow Jesus, repent and be baptized. Repentance is what you do in your mind and your heart. It's a decision you make. Baptism is a public demonstration of that. Someone said repentance is what you do privately, although it's going to show up publicly, but you make the decision privately. Baptism is what you do publicly. It's the public demonstration of the decision that you've made in your heart. That's what Peter told them. And that's what Christian preachers like me have been saying ever since. If you want to follow Jesus, great. Confess your faith. Repent in your heart. Tell God you're sorry. Give him control of your life. Trust in Jesus. Repent. And then be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Now, why should we be baptized? It's a great question. Let me give you three answers very quickly. Number one, because Jesus commanded it. Because Jesus commanded it. Jesus told his followers in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, Go make disciples, help more people become followers of me and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus commanded that new disciples be baptized. So it's, it's a command of Jesus. Number two, uh, it's a symbol of spiritual reality. Baptism is a picture. It's a symbol that inside my heart, I want a new beginning. Some of Jesus' followers would later write, that just as Jesus died and was buried and rose again, baptism is a symbol of Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. We identify with him by being baptized. We identify with his death by being baptized. And just as Jesus was raised from the dead, we are raised to walk in the newness of life, the Bible says. So when a person is getting baptized, you know what they're saying? I believe in the death 
the burial and resurrection of Jesus and that he has given me a new life. And it's an act of obedience. It's just an act of obedience. The Bible says they heard his message. Now watch this. 3,000 of them were baptized that day. Peter goes, okay, you want to know what to do next? I'll tell you. Repent and get baptized. Who wants to do that? And the Bible said, and it was a massive crowd at Pentecost because it's this huge feast. Who wants to do that? 3,000 people said, I'm in. And Peter may have gone, oh, no, no, no. Now, I'm, I, who's serious about doing that? If you're serious about doing that, come stand over here. I don't know how he did it. I don't know how he did it. I don't know if they sang. I don't know if he had a, He said, okay, if you're serious about doing it, come stand over here. And 3,000 people came and stood over there. And so Peter said, okay, I guess we better find some water. And so they went down. Um, they, they went probably to a river or a pond somewhere or a, a, a pool somewhere, and they baptized them. That day, that day, immediately. It was an act of immediate baptism. And here's the interesting thing. Every time you read about baptism in the New Testament, it's just that way. Somebody believes and immediately they're baptized. Now, I'm not saying the Bible, you know, there's something wrong if you say, hey, I've got to wait a couple of weeks to do it. But I'm just telling you, in the Bible, in the New Testament, over and over again, whenever someone said, I believe, the apostles who are speaking to them said, okay, you want to be baptized? Let's get baptized right now. Paul baptized the Philippian jailer and his whole family that night. The Ethiopian eunuch stopped the chariot, went out of the chariot, got baptized in the first pond they could find. I repent and I'm baptized. Now listen to me very carefully. Baptism doesn't save you. It's not magic water. It doesn't give you brownie points with God. It's a physical symbol of a spiritual reality. The only thing that can save you is the power of God in your life when you believe. We're saved by his grace through faith. When you believe in God, he saves you. But baptism becomes the public demonstration that I believe in Jesus and I want to follow him. The answer to the first question was repent and be baptized. Now, I'll tell you what we're going to do in a few minutes, about 10 minutes from now. I'm going to start preaching a little bit early, and we're going to do something that we don't do. You know, we do it once in a while. We don't do it many Sundays, but we're doing it today. In a few minutes, we're going to stop. We're going to stand, and I'm going to say, who wants to repent and be baptized? And if you're here and you want to be baptized, I'm going to say, come stand right here. I'm going to do this about two minutes. I'm going to say, come and stand right here with me. I want to pray for you. And then everybody who comes and says, I want to be baptized because I believe in Jesus. I've repented, and I want to follow him. You can get baptized today. Now, here's what you're thinking. Well, I didn't, I'm not ready to be baptized. I understand that. So we've made every preparation we know how to make. We've got shirts. We've got shorts. We've got uh, everything you need. Uh, it's all clean. It's laundered. It's folded. Some of it's brand new. We've got every size from the big sizes to the little sizes. We've got changing areas. We've got towels. We have an area for women and for men. I always say that because people are going, are they running around in their underwear back there? I don't, I don't know what's happening back there. No, we, you don't have to worry about hygiene. You don't have to worry about modesty. I promise you, we've thought, we've got hair dryers. We've thought through every, for guys like me, for, so I thought, we thought through everything. Here's why. Because I wanted to look at you as serious as I could and say, Do you need to be baptized today? 
Do you believe in Jesus Christ and are you ready to be baptized? And if you are, I've taken every excuse off the table. You can come and be baptized today. And whereas I don't get to do most of the baptisms because of this schedule, today I get to do them. It doesn't make it any better because you're not getting baptized in my name. You're getting baptized in the name of Jesus. But I get to do them today. So the people who come, we pray together. And then about 10 minutes after that, we're standing up there. And you can be baptized today. And honestly, I never know how many is going to. It might be two. It might be 20. might be more than that. It might be 200. Who knows? But whatever God brings, we'll rejoice in. And some of you today have been thinking, okay, I need to take the next step. What do I do next? What do I do next? I'm telling you. If you want to follow Jesus, I'm telling you exactly what Peter said. Repent in your heart and be baptized. You've got to confess your faith publicly. Here's the second thing you've got to do, because I want you to see verse 42. Some of you have already done verse 41. Wonderful. But we need to do verse 42. The verse 42 says, after they repented and were baptized, verse 42 says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now, do you see the word devoted there? Look at the word devoted. So after they got baptized, what did they do? They devoted themselves. The word devotion means to continue to do something with intense effort. And it even implies intense effort despite difficulty. In other words, devotion means they are intensely committed to something. If somebody at your workplace is said to be, wow, that person is really devoted to their job, what does that mean? It doesn't mean they just show up and punch a clock. What are you saying? That person is intensely committed. That person is extremely loyal. That person is all in. They're devoted, right? If you say of someone, hey, they're devoted to their spouse, what do you mean by that? You mean, hey, that that person didn't just say the words. That person loves their spouse. They are committed. They are devoted. The Bible says after these early believers confessed their faith publicly, they were devoted to to doing four things. And what you see in that devotion is this. They connected to people who follow Jesus. So step one is, I confess my faith. That's step one. Step two is, I need to connect with people who are following Jesus also. So the Bible says they devoted themselves, and it mentions four things. I put three in your notes, but it could be three or four. It says, first of all, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, the apostles were the followers of Jesus, the people Jesus trained. These were the disciples who had been with Jesus, and the apostles were all right there in Jerusalem at this point. So to say that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching means they gathered on a regular basis to hear what the apostles said about Jesus and what it meant to follow Jesus. They couldn't get enough of it. Now, that means, number first of all, so they gathered to study and to learn. They gathered with other believers. They grouped with other believers in order to study and to learn. We have the apostles' teaching today. We don't have the apostles. They're in heaven. An apostle, technically, as the New Testament defines it, is one of those that Jesus trained, commissioned, and sent forth. They're in heaven. Well, we have the apostles' teaching. It's what we call the New Testament. The New Testament are the letters written by the apostles. 
In some cases, it was an assistant of the apostle. But the New Testament is the New Testament because it's what the apostles wrote down for us so that we would know who Jesus was, what Jesus taught, and how we should live. To be devoted to the apostles' teaching today means this. You are devoted to studying and learning the Bible. And the best way to do that is not only to come to church and hear the Bible taught, that is an important way, but to gather in groups where we study and we learn what the apostles taught. The second thing is they were devoted to fellowship and the breaking of bread. So we know they had to be small groups. They gathered in large groups, but they also gathered in small groups because these groups evidently were small enough where you could share meals together. You could fellowship with one another. Breaking bread, they built community. They got to know one another. They peeled back some of the layers of each other's lives and they built real relationships. That's what you do when you share a meal with someone. It's about more than eating. They had real friendships. They built real community. And then prayer. They prayed for one another. When you get to know somebody, that's when you pray for them. Sometimes when we think about prayer, we think about a big group and we think about all these requests and we don't even know. Let me, and that's good. We need large prayer times. But I think the most intense prayer times or when you're in a small group. Because that's where you know one another. That's where you know the burdens that each other carry. That's where they know your burdens. That's where you can begin to pray for one another as they pray for you. The greatest prayer times I've ever had have been with small groups. So here's what they did. They confessed their faith in Jesus, and then they connected to God's people for the purpose of learning the Bible, building community, and praying for one another. That's what they did. And the world was changed. Some of you are asking today, what next? Well, some of you need to confess your faith publicly. And in a moment, you need to come and be baptized because you haven't done that. It's the first step of obedience. Do what Jesus said do. Every one of us, though, need to be devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread, and to prayer. Devoted means you lean in and you stay in. We've got a lot of people hanging out in church that are no longer devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, breaking bread, and prayer. And your spiritual growth is directly tied to your devotion to those things, which is why tonight, All across all three campuses, we're doing an event we call our Group Connect event. It's really like a fellowship. It's like a party. It's not you come and hear somebody talk. It's like a reception. And tonight you can come and find a group. If you aren't connected in a small group, a community group, I invite you to come and be a part of our Group Connect event tonight. Now, on our Clearwater campus, we're doing several all week long. You've heard about this. We've mentioned it as you started this morning. We've got, if you're in a co-ed, if you're looking for a couples group or a co-ed group, tonight's the night to come. Come to the church tonight and uh, be here for our Group Connect event. If you're, uh, we we have a Group Connect tomorrow night that's for young adults. If you're just in your college age or 20-something age, that's kind of a different group. And like, you don't want to hang around with a bunch of old people. Okay, we get that. So tomorrow night is a young adult Group Connect. Uh, Tuesday morning, we've got a group of men that'll be meeting on our Clearwater campus at 6.30. We provide breakfast for men who want to connect with a men's group. 
And if you're looking for just a women's group, a place where just women connect, Wednesday night is our women's group connect event. So all week long on our Clearwater campus, we have opportunities for you to find a group where you can connect for the purpose of devoting yourself to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, breaking bread, and prayer. Because if you want to know how to follow Jesus, you've got to do those two things. You've got to confess your faith, and you've got to connect with God's people. If you need to get connected, my prayer is you will not waste 2018 by just floating in and out of church. But you will make the decision today to move the needle in your life, to move the measuring stick in your life by being devoted to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking bread, and prayer. And you can only do that in a small group. So I hope you'll do that. Some of you are here today, and you need to confess your faith. Maybe you've already believed. Maybe that's happened privately in your life. You may have even told some people, but you've never come publicly in a setting like this, and you've never been baptized. I want to invite you today to do that. And I know how scary that may sound, but I want to tell you, you need to do just what the Bible says you need to do. How can you improve on that? What should we do? Repent and be baptized. So if you've never repented, I pray in your heart today, you will choose to put your faith in Jesus Christ. And if you've repented, but you haven't been baptized, come and be baptized biblically. No matter what you have, no matter where you come from, again, you say, I got nothing but the clothes on my back. Fine. Literally, we'll take care of everything. And if you come in a moment and stand here and say, I will do what God says do, I will repent today and I will be baptized, then today you can walk home having known that on this day you made that important step. You know what I prayed this morning? I said, God, I prayed through people I knew, my family, people that I loved, and I thought about the days that they made a commitment to Jesus Christ and their life was changed. And my prayer this morning was, God, I pray there are families like that family. I pray there are people like that person. And I I just, in my head, I thought of the stories. And I said, I pray there are people that 10 years from now, 100 years from now, 1,000 years from now in eternity, that they will remember this day, the 28th of January, 2018, as the day they did what the Bible says. They repented and they were baptized in order to become a follower of Jesus. So in a moment, I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you again to be very still in terms of moving around, going out somewhere, just to pray with us. We're going to sing. And if you're here today and you are ready to repent and be baptized, you've already repented but you haven't been baptized, or today you're making that decision for the very first time, When we sing, I'm going to invite you to come and just stand here at this altar. I'm going to, I'll step down here. You will not be standing alone, I promise you. Come and stand right here at this altar while we're singing. We'll sing just for a few moments. When we're done singing, I'll pray with whoever's at the altar, and one of our pastors will lead you out. We've got women to take care of the women, men to take care of the men. And today, if you've never been baptized, you can be baptized today in obedience to what Jesus told you to do. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes and pray. And even as we begin praying, if you want to come, 
you can, you can come even, you can start coming if you want to, but I want to pray for you. Father in heaven, would you speak today to every person in this building, and if there are those who today need to come and step forward and be baptized, Lord, lead them, draw them in the power of Jesus. It is your gospel, it is your spirit that can save, it is your invitation, and I pray you will bless today. For anyone here who's coming to say, yes, I repent and I believe and I want to be baptized. I pray this. Now, would you stand to your feet? We're standing all across the way. Kyle and the team are singing. Let's sing this song. And if you want to come, people are coming already. Come stand right here. Come stand right here. God bless you. You come right now. You just come right here. Amen.